you just let the influencer speak to their audience the way that they know is best. You give them like the smallest amount of bullet points and let them do their thing. That's going to be the most successful campaign. When Ashley Iconetti was cast on The Bachelor back in 2015, she didn't know the show would turn her into one of the OG Instagram influencers and give her an engaged audience she is still growing six years later. You're about to hear how Ashley built a business around her social following of over 1 million engaged fans by sharing raw and authentic moments in her life and why she thinks leading with a relatable image has been the key to her success. Coming up, you'll hear how Ashley recorded a unique audition tape for The Bachelor and how she felt when she got the call announcing she was cast. How Ashley started building her brand and growing her audience after leaving The Bachelor. Why Ashley steers clear from showing a curated and polished image on social media. Why it's beneficial to say yes to everything when you're just starting out and the importance of just asking. And finally, Ashley talks about her big life transitions that are coming up in the near future and what is next for both her and Jared. This is the Entrepreneurista Podcast presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Ashley, I am so excited to finally chat with you today about your incredible entrepreneurial journey. So prior to appearing on The Bachelor, you actually studied broadcast journalism, which I heard, and I know you've received your master's degree. So I want to hear a little bit more about your career journey and then what led you to first apply to be on The Bachelor. Okay, well, I guess I was an undergrad and I was watching E! News one day and I thought, wait, why can't I be Juliana Ranswick? I was in the midst of having to declare a major and I really was like, I really don't know what I want to do. And then it kind of dawned on me that I could do that. And then in college at James Madison, they offered for like the first time a video journalism class. And it was my favorite class. I took it as a senior and my professor went to Syracuse and told us all about like how it's the best broadcasting school. So when I got out of school, I was kind of still torn between whether I wanted to do broadcasting or whether I wanted to do like music industry stuff, like tour promotion and stuff like that. But then this is like so weird. I saw that there was a contest for who would serve as the reporter at the premiere of Catch Me If You Can on Broadway. And I was determined to win that because Catch Me If You Can, one of my favorite movies, one of my favorite Broadway stars, Aaron Tveit, was going to be playing Leo's character. I was like, I need to do this. So I submitted the most like elaborate. We had to read a script. But I don't know why I'm going so in detail. <laughs> no, I, I want to hear this and I want to know if there's still a video. <laughs> they gave us a script and basically whoever performed the script best was going to be the one reporting for them. And it was like a JetBlue partnership. And I went through like a whole bunch of stages that Frank went through in Catch Me If You Can. Like him as a pilot, him as a doctor, him as a lawyer. And I like pretended to be the characters while reading this script. 
project. I end up winning the competition, but it was not so much like the actual reporting on the red carpet that made me decide like, oh, I need to go into broadcasting. It was kind of like creating that video. So after that, I applied to Syracuse for my master's in broadcasting. And like I, to this day, so proud of myself for getting in. It is a top broadcasting school in the country. It's number one, right? It's the best. Yeah. So, I mean, I still just like, I'm like in awe of myself for accomplishing that. And when I was there, I loved it. It was so challenging. School was really hard, but it was one of those challenges that you love. And then getting out of school, it was my last semester, a summer semester. My friends and family just joked forever about me being on The Bachelor, Bachelorette. We just, we were obsessed with the show. Monday nights were like such a thing in our house. And I was like, well, if there's going to be any time for me to try out, like, this is probably the time, like I'm in between things, you know, I'm graduating, I'm trying to find a job, but like, I know the bachelor will give me a platform that could be helpful in this. And then I, (laughs) I submitted it in the way that I used all of our fancy equipment from school because I still had access to it. Uh Multiple really high quality, heavy, like movie cameras. I use like all our sound equipment to make, again, a very elaborate audition tape. I went through the season, like I went through a season in my audition tape from getting out of the limo to a one-on-one date, hometown, the final rose, overnights, like all that stuff. And I didn't hear from casting for, it was like seven, eight months. They called me on April Fool's Day. Oh my gosh. You thought thought someone was playing a joke. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't because I saw the zip code on my phone and I like, I thought it was a job that I applied for in LA, but all my friends thought it was an April Fool's joke for sure. But yeah, that's like basically the start of my little journey. Everything kind of worked out in perfect timing. When I got that call, I had an internship with the New York Jets for like six months after graduation. And this came like two or three months after that. So like in the job search. So honestly, never really had an adult job (laughs) because everything kind of escalated. Well, I mean, not until now do I have an adult job, but like I never sat down for an interview and had a position in which I did not work for myself. Well, besides the interview you did that you produced yourself with your audition tape, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, it sounds like when you go in, you go all in with anything and everything that you put your mind to. So when you apply to be on The Bachelor, did you know the impact that it would have in terms of being able to build your personal brand back then? Because this was 2015. Definitely not. Yeah. Definitely not. My season was truly like the first influencer season. Instagram had been around for a couple years before Mm -hmm. I had been on the platform, I think since late 2011, but the show didn't get you a huge following until my season. Like Andy Dorfman ended up getting a pretty big following when she was the lead and we followed right after her and it was insane. But back then, like I left my bachelor season with 75,000 followers. If somebody leaves now with that, you don't think of them as like having a ton of influence, you know, like these girls, you watch for their follower accounts to get close to a million now. It's so insane. The difference. I was lucky to be able to have so many different appearances on the spinoff shows to really help garner my following in years that followed. What do you think it was about you being on the show and your personality and maybe I'll say your authenticity that 
really led people to want to follow you and want to be part of your story. And then of course, you know, it's led to subsequent appearances on other shows in the franchise. This is like the weirdest part because you have to just self-describe a little bit. And I'm like very awkward and I'm not a huge fan of self-describing, but I definitely tapped into an audience that maybe wasn't like, they never saw themselves represented on the show. There's a couple things. One, I was just like, I'm very emotional. I cry a lot. I don't hold back anything. Like I had no desire to be like that prim and proper, like totally Barbie doll. I am so well-adjusted type woman on the show. Like I just put it out there. And not that like people have done that before, but I, I think maybe I was like a little bit more on your face. But I also think that tied with the fact that I had never had a boyfriend by the age of 26 and I was a virgin. I think there was a lot of people out there that was like, oh my gosh, this girl is like as inexperienced in dating as I am. And I think for millennials, I don't know about Gen Z, but I know that for millennials, I think we were like the first generation where it was like that hookup culture. And I just knew I did not fit into hookup culture. And I think that I spoke to a lot of girls who felt the same. Yeah. I mean, I think that you were and are just so relatable to so many women. And I think when we talk about social media and building audience and a community, sharing who you are and being authentic is just so important and being relatable. I was just sloppy. And like women were like, oh my God, I'm sloppy. (laughs) And that's really cool. Like I love the fact that well, I mean, again, awkward to self-describe, but for people who call me relatable, it's like the nicest compliment. Well, I mean, it, it's true. You know, most people are not out there, you know, picture perfect, have everything together. You know, we always talk about on this podcast is, you know, everything is not as perfect and beautiful as it looks on Instagram and being able to really show people like the behind the scenes, the nitty gritty of growing a business. And for you on the show, like, here's who I am. And this is what I'm really like. And I'm not trying to paint a picture of this perfect person. I'm just myself and people can relate to that. And I think that that's why it was kind of easier for me to build a brand on social media because I already knew what people were interested in seeing from me. I think there's some other girls where it's like, oh, like maybe like they like my outfits or my makeup or something like that. But at least for me, like I kind of already knew what they wanted to see. And that was just more rawness. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say- I, It does so, like when I do, sorry, I didn't No, 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 go ahead, yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but for my audience, it's funny because like sometimes I'll, I actually like had like a freaking breakdown like a year ago, (laughs) just like a big crying session over this. I saw like so many of the other Bachelor alums posting like really pretty, like model-esque pictures, you know, very fashion forward, like Vogue-esque pictures. And I was like, why can't I be that girl who posts those pictures and gets a lot of engagement? Because when I post pictures like that, I get on my poorer side of engagement. And it's because people don't go to me for that picture perfect. And they know, they know if you post something like that, it's just, it's not you, it's not authentic. They want to see that real raw real raw stuff from you for sure. Would you say, so, so many of the skills that you've really honed from being in front of the camera to building a brand. I mean, I always say this, it's so important for anyone in business nowadays. I talk about the importance of brand building on social. If you're a business owner, because people buy from people that they genuinely like, that they trust, that they can relate to. What is it like for you each day as you're sharing what you're going through throughout the day? So like you and your husband, you're, you know, always active on social, you're sharing behind the scenes of your life, but is that normal for you now? Is it ever uncomfortable? Is there ever anything you don't want to share? 
There's not much that I won't share. I'd actually share more, but then I'd worry that people are like, oh my God, like now she's crossed the TMI line. I think that when I'm pregnant, because I've been very open that we're in like that trying to conceive period of my life, that I want to like talk about how miserable I am. <laughs> so I'm kind of like excited about that because I just don't think I'm going to be a very fun, good pregnant person. <laughs> but- <laughs> I think that it's a little bit harder to figure out what people want to see as far as like your everyday life routine. Cause I see some of my friends, they do such a good job, like talking to the screen, like talking to the camera and just saying what they're like the mundane, mundane things they're doing. And I'm like, well, I don't know why I find this so entertaining. I wish I was better at that. Um, like, cause like, we don't do anything like super entertaining during the day. I find it really easy to come up with content when I'm at home with my family, mm-hmm. because then when you have more people in a house, there's more of like an atmosphere where you can like make fun of people and you can get more opinions. I will say that cancel culture has really put a dent in some of our the ease of coming up with content because there'll be some things that I think are funny and then I overanalyze it and then I say, oh, better safe than sorry. Don't do it. Like, for example, this is so silly, like so silly, but it was very me. I arranged my podcast to be an hour. Like I got an appointment for brows and I was like, oh oh my God, I can't believe I get to go and get my brows done. I've been waiting for this for like three months. So I end up asking my co-host if I could push the podcast up like an hour so that I can make sure to leave for a good amount of time because it takes forever to get anywhere in California. I end up being late, a whole half an hour late for my basically half an hour long eyebrow appointment. It took an hour to get there. The GPS was saying it was going to take 30 minutes. I was very, I was lightly devastated in the moment. It was one of those moments where you like look back at yourself and like kind of laugh and you're like, oh my God, I'm so ridiculous. And I knew I was so ridiculous in the moment, but I was like bawling on the phone with Jared. I was also PMSing to the extreme. It was the day before my period, (laughs) but I was like, can I post this on Instagram? Like how I'm actually crying right now and how silly this is. But then I overanalyzed it and I was like, people are going to give me so much crap because there are way more important things in this world. Yeah. And like Kourtney Kardashian said, Kim, there are people dying. Yeah. And like, so I just, I end up not posting a lot about me because I just like, oh, there's a chance that people like that a small percentage of people will get upset with this and it's not worth it. Yeah. It's, it is really tough now knowing, you know, where to draw the line, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. So mm-hmm. it's interesting to hear how you're really thinking through, you know, is this going to be okay for my audience? Because at the end of the day now, like, of course you are you and you're sharing that content, but you now are your business and you've turned yourself and your life into a business. So I want to hear a little bit more about, you know, those first one to two years after the first season of The Bachelor, you are now starting to essentially create a a brand for yourself and and monetize yourself as a business. What was it like in the early days? And then I want to hear about what your business has evolved into now. It was a lot of hustling and networking the first two years. So I moved out to California. You know, I'd been given the platform of The Bachelor, Bachelor in Paradise. I still, of course, wanted to go into broadcasting, be an entertainment reporter. That was always my focus. And the first year or so, it was like a lot of informationals, a lot of just like just meetings with my agent to see like if networks would be interested, just like basically saying like, hey, can I meet up with you to anybody who I thought 
could give me good advice or open a door for me. Uh, and that really paid off. But I also saw myself as like, okay, well, a full-blown entertainment reporter, that's going to take a long time. But what's a niche that's not really filled right now is there's no like bachelor beat reporter. I can be the alum that kind of gives an inside look into the franchise. We saw Ali Fedotowski kind of did that at E. And yeah, so that's kind of what I ended up doing. And my best advice for people is basically to just like ask. There's like two rules that I live by as far as business. It's early on, say yes to everything. Yeah. And then secondly is just ask because like I got my role on Access, Access Hollywood, which I was on air for two full years until they kind of like rebranded. Yeah. Now I do their digital recap, but, and then when it's not COVID, I still do like their tell-alls and stuff. But I was doing a digital recap for them. And then I said, hey, I would love to do this again. They wanted me back. But can we do it on air? Like, can I be on the actual Daily Show? And they're like, let me ask the producers. And they're like, yeah, we'd love that. (laughs) And that's how that came to be. Just asking. And like, yeah, it seems like a reach. But like a lot of the times people like your ideas and you reach the work. If you don't ask, you don't get. So that's such such a great piece of advice. Coming up... You'll hear why it's important to let influencers candidly speak to their audiences instead of imposing too many guidelines. I want to hear a little bit more about the early days because you were definitely hustling to get where you are today. Did you do a lot of things for free when you were first starting out? Oh my God. So much for free. I basically, I told people up front about like everything that I would ask, like the access, you know, host or correspondent position. I never got paid for that. I get paid when I like go out and do a reporting gig for them. But like, as far as appearing on their show, never. And I was like waking up at six in the morning, getting ready, all dolled up. No, I did it for two years. I'm totally cool for doing things for free because sometimes you have to just weigh your options one, it's more likely that they're going to take you on, take your idea on. And two, it's going to build your platform and you'll make money in a different way from having a bigger platform. So you may not make money directly from that gig, but if it's going to help you make money in other elements or like make your name or brand or business bigger, just do it. That is such great advice. And you mentioned that you had an agent pretty early on. How did you find your agent and any tips you can share about deciding who some of these right people are to work with and who to trust? Well, you know what, to be honest, I don't even have a hosting agent right now because my hosting agent who I had for two years and I did go around with informationals with all the time and like meetings at networks, she reached out to me. She was definitely one of those hands-on agents that you like can call and have talks with all the time who would always respond to your texts. I hear that some of, some of my friends who have are signed to the big agencies, they get like a little bit less hands-on treatment. Like they only hear from them when there's a gig that they could possibly be a good fit for. So I'm glad that I had a nice personal relationship with her, but she actually left the industry a year and a half ago. And we were looking at agents and I don't know if this really is something that the audience is going to be interested in, but we ended up going around and trying to find another agent, but every agent wanted us to be totally exclusive to them and not to work with our other social media agent who we love and are so loyal to. And like, we would never leave. So we'd always go in with that loyalty, just saying like, Hey, like we work with this person on this thing. We work with this person on this thing. Like, we're just not going to budge there. And they're like, Oh, okay. Yeah, no. 
So we actually have done just fine. We have enough clout now that if I were to email somebody about something, like I find that I'm able to get a response usually. I'm able to like network in a way that I know enough people who know enough people that I can get like direct contacts for. So if I'm interested in something, like I can kind of make it work on my own. And I've also never had a publicist. I just feel like a lot of the hustle you can kind of do by yourself. How do you manage everything? Because you have built essentially your own empire now, managing so many brand collaborations. You have multiple podcasts, which I'd love for you to share more about. But how do you manage your time and all of the different relationships that you're working with? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know. I was on another podcast recently and I said like, it's been a lot easier with COVID, you know, because like instead of driving around everywhere in LA and there's such a waste in time, just the commute, doing everything on Zoom has made time management a lot easier. Mm -hmm. I think, I don't know. Mm-hmm. More of like a small core gr- group. Yeah, I don't have an answer to that. I know that's so weak, but no, no, that's okay. Would you I, say I do manage it? It's fine. I mean, I remember, but the most stressful moments for me were always in the car. <laughs> it was yeah. always in LA traffic. And you just had one of those last week, and you couldn't even share it. No. <laughs> yes, exactly. How do you decide now what brands and partners you want to collaborate with? Well, I love staying on brand. So, I mean, I think my advice that I don't always take is to like, if you're trying to grow your Instagram or your TikTok or whatnot, stay on brand. Like people know that I love beauty. Like they know I love skincare. They know that I'm currently always like complaining about my hyperpigmentation, that I had cystic acne and I'm so open talking about that stuff. So I think skincare brands are really on brand for me. And I love that so many of them have been interested in working with me. I think makeup is the same. Like on The Bachelor, people definitely knew me for like all my different makeup looks. So those are the ones that like I'll say yes to, even if, well, I don't want to say that I'll do it for less, but <laughs> but like those are, the, those are the ones that are like a little bit more negotiable, right? And then there are other things that like, If I was like, I have a hard time saying no to money. Like this is actually something that I probably should work on. I should work. Everything that I promote, I really like. Like I can't even tell you like the last time. Okay. I remember one thing that I promoted recently within the past year that I didn't like. And they came back to me seeing if I wanted to do it again. And I said, no, because I was like, once I figured out what this thing was, I decided I didn't want it anymore. But I definitely barely turn things down because I have this mindset that it's like, I got to make money while I can. I got to make money while I can. How can I be, am I going to be in this industry? This influencer industry has never existed before my time. Like literally I am like one of the OGs of it. Totally. So I don't know how long it's going to last. And, you know, my husband and I are always thinking about ways to reinvent ourselves and other businesses that we want to start that could have more longevity, but who knows? Maybe this influencer world does have longevity. So because it's kind of unknown, I'm a little bit of a hoarder when it comes to money and saying yes to certain brand deals. But again, I like everything that I promote. Just if I really wanted to fine tune my social, I would probably like just be saying yes to the things that I am known for. Mm -hmm. That definitely makes sense. So of course, many of our listeners 
own their own business and they work with influencers to promote their products and services. And myself too, working obviously in the social media industry and owning an agency and doing a lot of influencer campaigns, we see the types of campaigns that seem to work really well, the types of campaigns that don't work well. But I want to hear from you, like if you're speaking to a brand and you're telling them, you know, this is the type of content and campaign that will perform the best. If I work with you and create this type of content, this is what I can do for your business. Like, what do you typically share and what do you see gets the best results? Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, this is very niche, this conversation, but like, I'm willing to go there because I have all the thoughts. (laughs) You just let the influencer speak to their audience the way that they know is best. You give them like the smallest amount of bullet points and let them do their thing. That's going to be the most successful campaign. They know their audience better than you can know their audience. And I think a lot of brands are like, oh no, it's not going to work unless we have it like this. But it will because the influencer wants the ad to do just as well as you want the ad to do because the influencer wants you to come back and sign them again to do another ad. So it's like, just put your trust in us. This is mutually beneficial if we do it this way. That's that. (laughs) No, I, I completely agree. And we tell our clients that all of the time. So I couldn't agree more. Have you been successful when you've been able to talk directly to the client and share this with them and then they listen to you? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Do you then if the campaign then doesn't work how you thought it, what you said would happen? Do you then go back to them and say, let me try this? I think this will work or? So I have this great example. I won't say who the client is because I do currently work with them and I love them so much. So there was this one brand that came to me. They wanted me to do something very specific, like kind of very detailed guidelines. And if you guys are listening, you don't know, like we have guidelines to create the ad. And we have to follow those and depending on the brand, follow them very closely or just follow them kind of casually. And this brand wanted me to follow them pretty strictly and it just didn't go over well, but I loved the brand so much. And like my agent was like, I don't know if they're going to use you again. And I was like, okay, fine. They don't have to, you don't have, they don't have to pay me again. I'm going to throw up a couple of slides on my Instagram story, like very organically the way that I would do the ad. If, you know, I had the free reign to do it the way that I did it got them so many more swipe ups, so much more engagement, so many more signups. And now I've been working with them for a long time because they saw that my method worked better. I love that. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. It's very exciting for me because like I had such a passion for them. I was like, oh no, this is such a wasted opportunity. And then I also feel like this is just like a little tip for, I don't know, you or anybody else out there with a business, a lot of the times people don't want to watch like a whole Insta story and like, it'll be like, oh, you know, give us five slides. It's like, actually you might do better off with one slide. Yep. And I have proof that the one slider works magic. It's like, yeah, if you really want people to explain fully what the product does, sure. But if you just want to capture somebody's attention and then if they're the target audience, they'll swipe up and they'll find out more. Look, I think it's so important. You have this information and knowledge about your business, your analytics, your audience, and for you to be able to share this with these businesses who want to work with you, I think that information is so valuable to them. So Mm -hmm. I think speaking up and sharing that is 
what influencers should be doing when they're working with brands. That way it becomes this mutually beneficial relationship as you shared, where they want to continue to work with you long-term. Thank you. So I want to hear a little bit about your podcast and essentially how you've turned these podcasts also into businesses and, and what that's been like. So my, I don't get a podcast, which is kind of like a natural rollover from what I was in the bachelor and what I truly am which is like sloppy and I don't get a lot. Like I especially started because I didn't get why I was at the time 28 and didn't have a boyfriend yet. And my best friend was also like 27 and never had a boyfriend. So we said, I don't get why we don't have boyfriends. And that just really tapped into an amazing amount of women found that extremely relatable. That podcast, like it was on like the top 10 during its first episode. And granted that was back when podcasts weren't so like everywhere, like before everybody had a podcast. So there wasn't as much competition, but it was very cool to see that. So now we just talk about everything on there that we don't get, but you can like really like not get a lot of things in life. Like we've done episodes on hormones and birth control. We've done IVF. We've done like surrogates. We've done like just a lot of women's health. Like I love that. We had an episode on ovarian cancer. So like that's like in a whole other part of my interests. I love like medicine. And my dad's a doctor. I like sometimes wish I was a dermatologist. I called him the other day. I was like, dad, why didn't I go into dermatology? It's like it's too late. Um, but I do get to talk about skincare a lot on my, on my platforms. Anyway, so we talk about that stuff, but then we also talk about lots of dating, lots of like millennial relationships. We wanted it to be the conversation that you have with your girlfriends, that sex in the city feel at brunch. Yeah. So that's what that one's all about. And that just kind of like naturally came together because my best friend had never had a boyfriend. And then my sister kind of came in as somebody who like never not had a boyfriend. <laughs> and so that one works. And then we some, some people are intimidated about starting a podcast and logistics and how to get everything started. How did you figure out what to do when you were starting your podcast and any tips you can share, especially for business owners who are thinking about starting a podcast to create content for their business? Yeah, I, again, like, I don't know if I have the right answer here for us. It was just easy. Cause I had the platform. I was fortunately Gardner during the bachelor. I don't really know how you'd start from scratch. I knew that in this case, I had something like I experienced something in my twenties that a lot of other women were apparently experiencing and that was trouble dating. And then we got together and put that out, but I don't have advice as to how you'd start it from scratch. What about just the production of it and like setting up the equipment and figuring out how to put it out on different networks? Did you do that? Did you have someone help you? No, our network provided all the equipment with it for us. And then we've always just sent them the files and then they do all the uploading. That's awesome. Yeah, we do that too. So I know the benefit of having a team be able to, to help with that. That way you can just focus on the great content creation and have your team help with the rest. So I want to hear a little bit more about things that you have coming up in the pipeline. What's next for you this year? Well, I saw on your questions that you were like, what's one word to describe this year? And I would probably say movement <laughs> because Jared and I are moving out of LA in two weeks. We have spent like the majority of the past year bouncing back and forth between his family in Rhode Island and my family in Northern Virginia, because like we have truly had one in-person job in Los Angeles over the past calendar year. Yeah. So we're like, okay, um, now we just feel like when we're over here, we're wasting time not being with our family. 
And for Jared, especially not being in a place that makes him happy. Like he just loves Rhode Island so much. So we feel like most of our work we can do remotely now. And we don't really even foresee there are going to be that many jobs in LA that will need to be in person for, for at least the next six months. So we are just kind of like making the move over to just like live a little bit more of like a simple, calm life, but not just like in that, not moving just literally. I also feel like we really want to have a firm job that is a little bit more detached from the Bachelor franchise. I've been saying this for years now. I love talking about the show. I love being part of the show. I would never not want to be part of the show. Whenever they ask me back, I will always say yes. Like, anyway, I've always loved and supported the show, but I definitely want to have another one of those jobs, like that doesn't have to do with talking about The Bachelor. So there was a sizzle reel out there that really, really hope gets picked up. And if it doesn't, then we have another that we really, really hope gets picked up. So, I mean, I think that's kind of like the movement we want to go toward. That's so exciting. So did you buy a home in Rhode Island or are you going to rent when you first go? So we're like going to be crazy and stay <laughs> at his sister's house for a couple months. We're going to stay at my parents for a couple months. And then I think once we like actually, we're going to build a house. Oh, that's so, so once we have a lot, then we'll be able to determine how long of a rental we'll need. And, and then we will probably rent for a year. Well, I know we'll be able to follow all the behind the scenes of that process. And yeah. one of our friends, she turned her Instagram account into a business. She had started it as a hobby for fun. And she's been documenting her whole process of building her house and has been able to get so many brand partners and sponsors that she also genuinely loves and trusts. So I'll definitely have to connect you with her. Her account is the Real Houses of Instagram. The Real Houses of Instagram? I got to follow her right now. That sounds so cool. We definitely... It's definitely something that we look forward to do. We've actually been able to get her a couple brand deals for her project. One of them, Masonite Doors and a few others. So... Oh my gosh, 2.5 million followers. Look at her. That's incredible. So yeah, there's oh, this is some inspo right here. There you go. Yeah, I can definitely connect you with her. There's there's definitely a, a business in building your home on Instagram for sure. Believe me, we've thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds so silly, but it's definitely one of the reasons that we've decided just we've always wanted to build like our forever house. But we thought we would take a couple years to do so. You know, we'd get a starter house and, you know, get acquainted to my life in Rhode Island. But then we were were like, you know what? Sounds crazy, but it's good for the gram. And it's what we want. Like, we're like, that is where our heart is pulling us. So And people want to see that. And it's so exciting to be part of that journey. It's basically like the long version of watching an HGTV, Joanna and Chip. Exactly. Like a one to two year process reveal instead of 30 minutes. (laughs) Exactly. And people, especially the fans of Bachelor, love seeing growth, whether that's like building a house, um, the creation of a career or babies, you know, just growth in general from their favorites from the franchise. So, Up next, Ashley shares what she is most grateful for and how she structures her jam-packed weeks. Ashley, we're going to do a fun little segment that you didn't know about that we've been doing for the past few weeks now. It is going to be just some quick rapid fire questions. So the first thing that comes to your mind. my podcast too. It's my favorite thing. Ah, okay. Ready? Here we go. So much about someone. Describe yourself in three words. Oh my goodness. Okay. Passionate, emotional, and I want to say caring. I 
preparing. Yeah. What is the first thing you notice about someone when you meet them for the first time over Zoom? First time over Zoom is probably if they're smiling or not. What is the one thing that you're most afraid of? Well, talking about depressing, but so depressing, sorry. But Jared and I are just like constantly concerned about like our parents' health and like how long they'll be with us. So losing them is our biggest fear. What would you say is something that you wish you could be good at? Dancing, singing, anything of athleticism, like any sort of additional coordination would be fantastic. <laughs> like I walking is like as far as I go with coordination. <laughs> I hear you. And my sister even used to say, she's like, you walk like a virgin. And I'm like, wow, thanks. Like that's how unsexy I am. <laughs> that's so funny. What is your most used emoji when you text? Probably the kissy face or mm-hmm. like the blushy face. I love those ones. What is an app on your phone that you cannot live without? Definitely Instagram. I knew you were going to say that. Is there a lot of income. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? The source of a lot of income. Yes. <laughs> and then my last question is, do you have a hidden talent that we do not know about? I wish I had one. I don't have any hidden talents. You just reveal it like it is for everyone. <laughs> Which is like not that many super talents, but maybe my best talent is probably being able to relate to people. Yeah, that is a very special That's talent and skill, I'm sure. So what does your typical day look like for you now? It's really weird because like when you describe it, it doesn't sound like that filled, but it is, you know, like I'll wake up, I'll do emails for like two hours. I, my dog will bark constantly. During your podcast recordings. <laughs> I'll do emails and like tying things up. I mean, like it's really weird, but like if you own a business out there, you like understand that like there's a lot of it has to do with just logistical work that you do during the day. So that's like the first couple hours. I'll probably record a podcast. I might do a Zoom. Like I may be like doing something Bachelor related, whether it's writing my Cosmo article or like doing the Zoom with Access or like GMA had me this week. And then I'll probably like record an Instagram ad. Then we'll have to like do some Instagram, like organic content. And then posting that takes some time, which sounds weird, but it does. Definitely does. Yes. So like, that's basically the day. And I know that sounds like, oh, wow, she has like the easiest job ever. But like, it really is a a true nine to five. Like I pretty much put in the amount of time that anybody else would put into their job. And I actually feel like sometimes maybe even more because most of that time isn't like really filled with like stalling and diddle daddling. It can take, you know, hours to post one piece of Instagram content. So I think a lot of people who are not in the social media world definitely don't realize that it is for sure a full-time job. Yeah. It's like, I'll be texting my agent. I'll be like coming up with a caption. It's weird. And like ads, they're not just very easy. They're like, you got to curate them and you got to memorize some lines. And it's not very easy to talk to a phone, like just fluidly for so long. I was actually just posting about this on my Instagram story last night because I find it so hard for myself to just record talking to camera. Like it's just so awkward. You really have to get used to it. And I recorded a story last night just saying, okay, I'm going to try to be better at doing this because people should like tell me they want me to post more about certain things. And I'm very good at like filming my daughter and, you know, sharing photos with long captions, but there's, it's just hard to talk to camera and I'm trying to... I'm trying to be better at doing it. 
think it feels so unnatural and like you're trying to make it seem like a conversation, but like a conversation with one person is hard. So yeah, there, there's a lot of that. I have like my Monday bachelor days. It's when I do my podcast and then I do my Cosmo article. And then I have like, I'll have like an ad day during the week and then I'll have like the other podcast day and like some other miscellaneous stuff. So like each day, like kind of has a little structure. I pretty much have it down to a science, like during a bachelor season. Do you calendar everything out on Google calendar and time block your day or? Yes. Like, like I'll do, of course, like meetings and even like, like friend meetups and stuff on there, but I won't do, I'm not like a Google calendar person. Like I just put the main things into my iCal. Is there anything that you wish you had known when you first started your career that you know now? I saw that on your list of questions and I really don't know. It would be interesting to know that this, I would still be like very prominent in the Bachelor community six years after my initial season. So I don't know whether that would have like made me do anything differently, but that would definitely have been interesting to know. <laughs> <laughs> have that, have that foresight. Um, <laughs> I would. I think I kind of like played it right. I think moving to Los Angeles was definitely a necessity for me early on. I think it's not as much of a necessity for me to live here 24-7 anymore, but especially like COVID, so who the heck knows? But like, I think when you are building your business, you definitely like have to be where the business is. Totally. It's just a different time now where you can pretty much be anywhere for sure. Yeah. So, so crazy. What would you say you're most grateful for every day now? I'm just grateful every day for the health and safety of my family. Yeah. So important without it, without family, without health, we don't have anything. Oh yeah. I like seriously, like think about how lucky I am like multiple times a day, always before I go to bed, I'm just like always grabbing Jared's face. I'm like, do you know how lucky we are? Like we are so blessed. It's so true. It is so, so true. Well, finally, any other business tips you can share with our audience, whether they are building their personal brands on Instagram or our listeners who are business owners and thinking of working with influencers like yourself? Well, I think definitely just to reiterate, do things for free say yes to a lot of things, even if there's not money involved with influencers, let them talk to their audience the way that they know how the best don't put a lot of restrictions on them. I think those are the two big ones. Like don't be afraid to be open and raw, like just be like super open and honest and people like messy. Mm -hmm. And then I think like, don't be afraid to be like unconventional in the way that you would do advertising mm -hmm. because sometimes like the model doesn't always work as well as like one slide scan work. Is there a campaign that you've worked on that you're most proud of and maybe had the, the best results from too? Probably open fit. There's like two career things for me. So as far as being an influencer, it's probably my relationship with open fit because like they actually helped transform my body. So I actually started working out regularly four to five times a week for the first time. And I'm not even kidding you, like nine years. So like I didn't work out as part of my daily routine for nine years. And then like once I started doing ads for them, I like transformed my health. So that is like really fulfilling that I'm showing people how they can do that. And it's like an amazing service. It's like $30 a month and you get unlimited access to all these classes. I work out at home now. It's like seriously a, like a life changing sponsorship. And then 
for like my hosting career, definitely my sit down with the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> that that was the coolest thing ever. How did you even get through that interview? <laughs> I, I don't know, but it was a 30 minute sit down interview with Live Nation for the launch of their newest tour, their last tour. And I was really proud of myself for how calm, cool, collected, and just like how educated I was on them as well. Really. <laughs> you didn't, probably didn't have to do as much prep. You had your whole childhood to prepare you. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have to do a lot of research. It all came very naturally. That's so funny. Well, finally, Ashley, my last question for you is what does being an entrepreneurista mean to you? I think it means connecting with people and being able to do what I love to do for work. I think like basically it's just like being able to work on your own terms, on your own hours and doing what you love at the same time. It's so always being your own boss, which is amazing. I don't think I could ever like not be my own boss now. That kind of freaks me out. I say all the time, I feel like I'm unemployable anywhere else but my own business because, you know, you're just this born entrepreneur. I think you've just had it in your, had it in your blood from the time you were a child and you've just gone for it and look what you've created. It's incredible. Well, thank you so much. That's so sweet of you. Well, I am so glad we had the opportunity to finally sit down and for you to get to share your story and journey with our entrepreneurista audience. So thank you so much for taking the time because I know I've learned a lot from you. So hopefully everyone else has. Are you sure? (laughs) Thank you. That's so sweet. Ashley, where can everyone find you and follow you? And of course, listen to your podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at Ashley underscore Iconetti. And then you can listen to my girl talk podcast. I don't get it anywhere that podcasts are. And then same with the Ben and Ashley Almost Famous podcast. That's where we talk about all things Bachelor. And that is, of course, anywhere you can find podcasts as well. That's for the ultimate Bachelor Nation groupie. Amazing. We will be following you there and be sure to subscribe to all of Ashley's podcasts. I'm Stephanie, and this is the best business meeting I've ever had. You can connect with us at socialflyny.com and follow us on Instagram at entrepreneurs. Check out all our latest episodes at entrepreneurstapodcast.com. Thanks for listening.